got the bird flu. I'm tired of selling packs. I think I need a bird or two. What's going on, everybody? It is Jason Jaybird Goldstein here for another episode of the Bird's Eye View. <clears throat> here for uh, the first episode since I've got over COVID nineteen. Uh, right, I did have my COVID episode when I was sick, I believe, in preparation of week seventeen. Uh, did I have? I actually do not remember if I had the. Official Jaybird COVID episode. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I did. Because it was the preview of week 17. That's right. That's right. Uh, and I previewed the playoff. No, yeah, it was the, you know, I meant the preview of the playoff games, but I got really busy last week with works and I was slammed. So, didn't get to bring you guys my playoff preview episode. Yeah, and that's what I, I broke down that Joe Judge rant as well. Uh, so you know, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. Just again, busy, busy week. But as you know, as you've been seeing, I've been keeping up with polls on Instagram, asking people to give me their predictions on the winners. So you know, keeping interactive with the fans. I apologize for my lack of posting, as it's just been a pretty busy, <coughs> a pretty busy time in my life lately. But hey, I'm here now. I'm here to bring you guys a podcast. There's plenty to talk about, and I mean plenty to talk about and to give the bird's eye view on. We are, I mean, they call it football season ended. Uh, the NFL playoffs started. Uh, the Giants are actually doing something right for once. Uh, and yeah, there's just a lot going on right now, so let's dive right into it. Oh, before that, another thing I'm doing, I'm watching Seinfeld right now, and I just have to say, like, I mean, first off, Larry David is like one of the world's greatest geniuses. Between Curb Your Enthusiasm and Seinfeld, I mean, those are just two of the best. Those are probably the two funniest comedies I've watched. And like for LD to have written both of those, I mean, that man is just a comedic, comedic genius. Like, it's truly amazing what that man has done. But uh, anyways, man, yeah, college football, just like that, it's over. Uh, Georgia. First national championship uh, in, I don't know how many years, if ever, uh, but, you know, finally finally getting over the hump, finally beating Alabama. You know, Kirby Smart, he's done a fantastic job coaching the Bulldogs, but that was the one thing he hasn't been able to do was beat the Tide. He finally did. Uh, unfortunately, I lost 250 on it, and, uh, you know, my mindset, like, that was probably the, that was the largest wager I've placed of all time. Here's my mindset. Now, if I lost all that money betting on Georgia, I'm going to get betting against Saban. But, you know, you lose on Bama. Okay, you lose betting on Nick Saban in Alabama. It is what it is. Uh, you know, while this wasn't the level of exciting that, as, while this wasn't the level of excitement in the 2018 championship game that went in the overtime, it was still a pretty fun, pretty good game to watch. Uh, honestly, low scoring defensive up until the fourth quarter. Um, and in my opinion, you have Jamison Williams there. Bama wins. Bama was not playing this game down there. One and two receivers, both of whom got hurt in the SEC championship game and in the national championship, respectively. So it really gave none of their receivers uh, time to prepare uh, and get comfortable in a role and get in the rhythm with Bryce Young. And yeah, you know, it didn't affect CJ Stroud, but that's another thing. I'm um, going to miss the season, man. Like, college football, it was fun. I spent 
pretty much every single Saturday watching college football, uh, trying not to miss a Buckeyes game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that was just something. So I was laughing at a text I got, but hey, like overall, uh, fun college football season, fun bowl season. Did really well betting it, as I remember talking about when I previewed this game. You know, the, one of the funnier things I saw actually was that there was a top ten QB rankings, and PFF actually put. Actually, put Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler ahead of C.J. Stroud. Okay, if you get me drunk enough, you can convince me Caleb Williams. Get me? No, you can't. You can't convince me shit about Caleb Williams. What the hell did he do this year besides lose to lose to Baylor and then lose to Oklahoma State? No, you know, and like Spencer Rattler, Spencer Rattler, who got benched, who got booed over C.J. Stroud. I mean, clearly PFF. You know, I'm glad. You know, I've been thinking about. For the draft and for certain things, looking into and getting a subscription. You know, I have a free month at The Athletic right now. I know I'm not going to get a PFF subscription if they actually have the audacity to rank <laughs> CJ Stroud behind both Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler, who couldn't even beat each other out. I mean, just, just pathetic. Uh, but for the Ohio State, anyways, looking forward to 2021. Dewan Jones and Zach Harrison both coming back. Uh, you know, I'm excited Zach Harrison <clears throat> brings back a lot of experience. Hasn't lived up the hype that he was as a recruit. Uh, and obviously, you know, he'll still be rotating into, the, into that defensive line. I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more of Jack Sawyer, who I think is going to be an absolute beast for the Buckeyes next season. And hopefully some more of JT Tuamali, who graded really well in his limited playing time. Uh, but yeah, the assistant coaching game, like hiring Jim Knowles from... Oklahoma State, I keep seeing more and more things on him. You know, he comes in, talks about situational football. We killed it on third down. Now, watching Ohio State football this year, third down was one of the weakest points, especially third and short. You know, against Michigan, they consistently were converting those third and twos, third and ones, which means that, you know, we were not getting the ball back. Uh, and they were also just, you know, if they were getting these third downs and getting first downs, so they're holding on to the ball for longer. Uh... But yeah, so like I like that we hired the Cincinnati Cincinnati's defensive backs coach, uh, you know, Coach Sauce Gardner, who just didn't allow casually didn't allow a touchdown all of college, absolute beast, you know, Sauce, and you know, obviously coached under Luke Fickle, uh, Luke Fickle, former Ohio State guy, a great defensive coordinator for the Buckeyes. God, I would love to have him him back somehow. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, the best corner in the NFL right now, said he was the best coach he's ever had. So. You really like to hear that, and yeah. I um, mean, you know, as always, there's hope with my Buckeyes coming up. Uh, it'll be a long, I'm, I'm going to miss the season, but oh boy, am I excited. To st I'm going to miss some, and I'm going to miss all these college football talks, man. It's It was a fun season. I'm, I'm going to go through later and think about, you know, my top moments from the season, and yeah, we'll, we'll share that later on at a later date. But the NFL, the Giants... Finally, the season, the season from hell is finally, was finally over for the Giants, and thank the Lord. I don't think I've ever been so ready or so excited for a Giants season to end after what it was this season. Even 2017, like 2017 was bad, but this season was just like, 
Oh my god. It wasn't football. It literally wasn't football when I was watching. It was petrifying. It was disgusting. I mean, we're running quarterback sneaks. Um, we're backed up at our goal line. That's how pathetic it got. I mean, thank God. Like, thank God. And thank God. Like, they're just, there's hope. Because Gettleman, Gettleman is gone. He's gone, finally. Oh, my God. And look. And like, oh, my God. I know I went on Instagram Live, you know, just everything. When uh, On Black Monday, when Justine Anderson had that report that the Giants were bringing back Joe Judge. You know, I've been so busy. I haven't recorded a podcast since then. But thank God, like, that, like thank God Joe Judge is not coming back. He clearly was not fit to be the NFL head coach. You know, I've seen a lot of people say the Giants failed him. And, yeah, well, I do believe they failed him. He clearly was not cut out to be an NFL head coach. And thank God, like, nobody's going to miss that clown. Nobody's going to miss that loser. And the Giants were doing things right finally. You know, John Mara fires Joe Judge. And we're actually, for once, for the first time, we're not hiring someone with connections to the organization. No, the Giants are going outside the organization. They are not hiring Chris Mara. They are not hiring Kevin Abrams. They are actually going to get a GM from another team. And then they're letting that GM pick the coach. So for once, John Mara... Thank you. You're doing the right thing, John. Thank you. Seriously, John Maris. What you're doing here, I give you a ton of credit because I was skeptical. I was very skeptical you were going to do the right thing. All we kept hearing was Judge's job was safe. All we were hearing was that, you know, Daniel Jones is coming back next year. And with those decisions, no GM was going to want to come in. Uh, I just seemed like, yeah, we were probably going to have Kevin Abrams. But clearly, Joe, clearly the bullying worked, the hate worked, and we got him out of there. Thank the Lord. So, you know, the GM hunt. The Giants interviewed nine candidates. Uh, you know, I'm just going to really go through the guys who are obviously in the finalists. There seems to be Adam Peters, the assistant GM for the 49ers. You know, he worked with John Lynch for a number of years with the Niners. Uh, it seems to be John Lynch's go-to guy, and obviously San Francisco seems to have built one of the smarter front offices in the league. Uh, he worked with Martin Mayhew, uh, who, you know, now Washington's GM. So clearly Peters has been been around the block a while, smart guy, and he's definitely a guy I would mind to have. Uh, also, I have, you know, Ryan Poles. He's been a guy who's interviewed for GM candidates a number of times the past few years. Uh, you know, he's been a guy who's helped build that Chiefs. Uh, you know, he's helped, he, he has seen a lot of their directing of college scouting. So he's really looked at and looked at the college players, helping the Chiefs draft, draft pretty well. I mean, he was there wet. He was part of the scouting team that helped draft Mahomes. Uh, apparently the last two years, he's helped the Chiefs approach a free agency. And we saw them this year acquire Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney. So definitely he's taking a more of a hands-on overall approach. Uh Mike Veach, uh, an article, an insider, believes that Ryan Poles and Borgonzi, another assistant in Kansas City, will both be general managers soon. Uh, and, you know, we believe it's, it's believed that Poles is a draft guy, and I'd rather a draft guy than a free agent. Got to be honest, as we've seen how these free agent contracts have hampered the Giants. Uh, look, Poles, he's been there with Mike Veach, with John Dorsey, with Scott Pioli. Uh, you know. Huge hit. Apparently, he he was also advocating for Creed Humphrey. So Ryan Poles, 
really like that. He has some connection to John Mara. Not, not, not a big connection. You know. Both he went he played offensive line at BC where John Mara went, but like that's really the only connection they have. And the last connection. And I think and I think this is everybody's top GM candidate for the Giants, and that's Joe Schoen. Uh, apparently he just is in there day and night working his ass off scouting. And really, just from what I've read, he's been a really fast riser. And everything he brings to Buffalo, he's been the go-to guy for Brandon Bean since he's got there. Brandon Bean credits him just as much as he credits himself for really getting all these guys, for getting Josh Allen. Look, you see them. The Bills have really built a lot of their team through good late-round drafting as well. Brent, this guy, Joe Schoen, has had a great eye, talent, eye for identifying talent. You see Devin Singletary later in the draft. Uh, you know He got Stephon Diggs, although it was a first-round pick. Still got Stephon Diggs on a good contract. Apparently has really good cap management skills. Uh, just like, so, yeah, I mean, I, mean I, they, I saw a stack comparing the Bills' top five highest-paid players to the Giants' top five highest-paid players. It's clear Schoen knows what he's doing, and I'd be thrilled to have him as the Giants' general manager. But honestly, like, with these three finalists, you can't go wrong with any of them. I'm just happy the Giants are finally doing something right. Uh, you know, th th from here it says he's one of the most respected and well-liked people in the Bills organization. Uh, he has a strong endorsement from Bill Parcells. And, you know, with the Giants, anything from Bill Parcells always holds heavy weight. Uh, you know, we can get him. Like, just really, really exciting. And that's all I can say about it. The Giants are finally hiring outside of the organization. They're not sitting with someone that's been close to the Mara family the entire time. Uh, and I'm just, I'm really happy about it. And now the coaching search. So the coaching search won't conclude until the GM search concludes, and that's one thing I love. Uh, really, I absolutely love it because I truly think that letting the GM, letting this guy have all control and not be, you know, not have Mara in his ear is great, and I'm, I'm just really proud that Mayor is actually going outside the organization. That he listened to the he listened to what the people said, listened to the complaints, and realized it was time to make a change. Maybe it was Tish, but either way, uh, you know, I read a whole article from Dan Duncan about the mess that the Giants front office was with Gettleman. Thank God, thank God, like that's gone. Uh. So I have my head coaching candidates list here. I mean, number one is Brian Dable. I think he's the number one head coaching candidate in, on most people's pools. You see what he's done with the Buffalo Bills offense this season and, you know, helping turn them into a really ex an explosive offense. But he also has tons of experience. You know, he was an offensive coordinator in Alabama, and you see year in and year, year, in and year out, Alabama is always exploding on offense. He was the Patriots tight end coach and the offensive coordinator at the Browns, Dolphins, and Chiefs. You know, the Patriots tight end coach. Like, he coached Rob Gronkowski. You see he developed Dawson Knox. Uh, so what really be excited to see Brian Dable as head coach of the Giants. Uh, you know, Eric Bieniemy is probably my number two guy. He's been a guy whose name has been coming up in the coaching search for years now. Uh, I just would, would like him a lot. I think he's going to be a fantastic head coach in the NFL. Brian Flores got fired from the Dolphins. Although he's not the offensive mind that I want, I still think he, you know, he showed a lot of great things in his three years with the Dolphins, and I also think he'll make he would make a great head coach for the Giants. Uh, you know, people say that he would bring in, you know, he might want to bring in Deshaun Watson. Don't get me near Deshaun Watson, okay? Like, stop with the New York with the bullshit. Oh yeah, Deshaun Watson might go to the Giants. Like he's not coming. <clears throat> Deshaun Watson is not going to be a New York Football Giant. That much I can guarantee. 
We are so far away from being a contender. Why would we ever, ever get to Sean Watson? It's it, it, it's so dumb. It, it really is. Uh, and, then I, and then other guys I wrote down. So apparently they're going to interview Dan Quinn. That's confirmed. Thought we'd learn. Don't hire former Cowboys coordinators. And yeah, like why is... Who's going to... Dan Quinn... Dan Quinn's probably going to get a job, it seems like, because he's had a ton of interviews. Uh, we'll see. I just hope it's not with the Giants, to be honest. I think I don't think he's that good of a coach, a head coach. I think he got really lucky with that 2017 Falcons team with, excuse me, the 2016 Falcons having Kyle Shanahan as offensive coordinator. Uh, so, you know, but I actually made this list. I didn't even have him on here. Uh, so I actually had 14 names. I ran out my top three just to list other guys. I had Nathaniel Hackett. Packers offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, the Rams OC. Bills DC, Leslie Frazier, that could be part of the Joe Schoen connection as well. Uh, Kellen Moore, the Dallas offensive coordinator, but I'm taking that back. Uh, Wink Martindale, uh, you know, he was part of the head coaching search in 18. I wouldn't have minded if we got him, but I kind of think he was a package if we got Horitz as GM, who I really liked Horitz, but he has not been listed as a finalist. Uh, same with Greg Roman. Uh, Matt Eberflus of the Colts, I wouldn't mind him. If we're going to go with the defensive coach, he honestly would be a really great guy to have because this Colts defense has really been something special the last few years, and it's without a lot of it, a lot of it without top-tier talent. Uh, Bill O'Brien would be interesting. Jim Caldwell and either the Bucks assistants, Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich. Uh, but that's it. That's really it for talking the Giants. Uh, at the end, like it's just a move towards the future. That's all I'm doing right now with this team is looking ahead towards the future. Uh, quickly, uh, I'm going to go through the AFC and, you know, just quickly look back at some of my preseason picks quickly. Uh, so back on the preseason, I had, I got through the four division winners right. I got the Bills, I got the Titans, and I got the Chiefs right. Uh, you know, and I also had the... The Patriots is a wild card. So I got four of the seven teams right in the AFC. Uh, you know, I had the Chargers getting in over the Raiders. And I had the two other AFC North teams, the Ravens and Steelers, and the Ravens and Browns and over the Steelers and Bengals. So I went four for seven. Uh, in the NFC, I went five of seven. Uh, I had the Niners. I, I had both the Niners and the Rams in, although I had the Niners winning the division with the Rams getting a wild card. And I had the Saints and I had the Vikings as wild cards rather than the Eagles, and the Cardinals. Uh, you know, I had the Cards fighting. You know, I thought, you know, Saints and Vikings, they had chances. The Saints injuries uh, it's caught up to them. The Vikings, they choked a lot of games away. On the Eagles, like I was, and the Eagles, you know, they had, they were good. They were that team that was bad, but good enough to beat all the bad teams. You see, I thought they'd be the bad team that would still be losing the bad teams, but they were just good enough. Just good enough. And the AFC, Dead wrong on the Raiders, dead wrong on the Bengals. I had both these teams winning four games and six games, respectively. Obviously, both teams went to the playoffs. Both teams won 10 games. Bengals won the AFC North, and now Bengals are in that AFC divisional playoff. So let's get into the quick, quickly, let's get into these games. Raiders, Bengals, first off, Cincinnati, party like it's 1990 because you've won your first playoff game in over 30 years. And it was a fun game. Burrow has all this swagger. He's so good. I mean, look, Brown. I, I I have defended Baker on this podcast multiple times, but I have Browns fans still tell me that Baker Mayfield's a better quarterback than 
than Joe Burrow, which is just 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 not true at all. Uh, and look, uh, there was the controversy. The refs blow the whistle in the middle of the play, and you know, play stops. The Raiders clearly stop, and a touchdown happens. Now they say the, the whistle didn't happen until after the play. A blatant lie. Holy shit, Mo Bamba, twenty-eight points in the first half. That's a career high for him to begin with. Uh, so I didn't interrupt that because that was a little bird alert right there. That was wow. Uh, you know, this game that was not. You know, they blow the whistle. Said the whistle. Said the touchdown was after the whistle. Now, me, I was watching at a bar. I didn't hear the whistle, but you know, Twitter. Obviously, everyone's freaking out about it. Look, like, I don't think that impacted the game much. Because, uh, you know, for the most part, the Bengals were in control. Until the end, though, when the Raiders really did have a push for the end and could have tied it. So, you know, m- maybe they forced a field goal there. Uh, like, in the end, one, one team got screwed. Either way, let's say the Bengals throw a touchdown there and the inadvertent whistle happens and it wasn't an inadvertent whistle. And they get screwed over. You know, then th- that could have been a touchdown play. Now they don't. Now they get screwed. So, either way, one team was going to get screwed and, you know, we were going to complain about we were going to complain one way or the other. Either way, you blow your whistle inadvertently. Jerome Boger's crew shouldn't be in the playoffs, and they're not. Lying was just the icing on the cake. Uh, you know, Raiders, a special year for them. They fire Mike Mayock as their GM. Uh, Rich Basicki is going to get a look for the head coaching position. I would hope he gets a serious consideration because he did a hell of a job coaching this team this year through all the controversy and everything they went through. And overall, it was... Really a magical season in Las Vegas. And congrats, Bengals. Your first playoff win. Again, Cincinnati. Party! Uh, but the Bills and the Patriots, just what a great performance from Buffalo. Like It was literally thought of as the NFL's first perfect game. Although, if we're being honest, they did miss two extra points. Uh, by, by the first perfect game, there was no punts, no turnovers, no field goals, uh, no fourth down misses. Uh, just pretty much everything. Uh, like, I mean, J- Josh Allen just looked goddamn elite. You know, with the Bills, people, this team was, eh, you know, up and down. They were 7-6. and six. This team had lost, you know, 4-6. of six. There was a lot of concern about the Bills. People were saying, okay, yeah, they're not a Super Bowl contender. They're too inconsistent. Well, here they are now. You know, they won their last four games to close of the regular season. Now five in a row. They played really well in the last five games. The running game, Devin Singletary has really picked it up, really emerges that lead back for Buffalo, and has completely changed the dynamic of that offense. It's allowed, you know, Stephon Diggs to get more one-on-one looks. It's allowed, uh, you know, the Buffalo passing and to really open up more. Dawson Knox has been playing great towards the end of the season. Josh Allen I mean, had the best game of his career against New England. Uh, right now, you know, this Bills team is fun to watch. And that game for them, you know, that was that was like the highlight of of the Bills of the Bills last 20 years. Like, I can leave anything in the last 20 years that's more meaningful for the Buffalo Bills. You know, the Patriots had beat up on them, and finally. Finally, for them, they beat up on that big brother who's been kicking their ass. Uh, you know, I mean, at one point, the Patriots had the thing I won 23 straight games against the Bills. Here they go. Of all the years of frustration, all the years of getting beat by Bill Belichick, all the years of getting beat by Tom Brady, they take it all out. Bill passed the torch to the Bills, who are the new kings of the AFC East, making Bill Belichick, the greatest coach in NFL history, look like a rookie in the playoffs. Just wow. Look, with this team, we're going to have a fun, 
fun game against Kansas City that I'm going to preview just in just a little bit. Uh, the Bucks and the Eagles, uh, it was no problem for the Buccaneers. And I've said all year that Jalen Hurts is not a good quarterback at all. Yeah, he, yeah, he was one of the top fantasy quarterbacks because he got garbage time touchdowns and because all the Eagles do is run the ball. And look, he threw the ball about 15, 20 times a game. And all he and you know and when he throws the ball, when he's forced to come from behind, what does he do? That was all I kept seeing saying. What watch Jalen Hurts? What's gonna happen if he has to come from behind and try to win a game? Well, we saw what happened. He's just not good. They're playing an offense and they have the offensive line that allows them to But it does not work when you're in the playoffs against Tom Brady and the Hippie Bay Buccaneers. Like Jalen Hurts, not a good quarterback, and like honestly, like just he stinks. He stinks. I hope the Eagles keep keep with him next year because honestly, can't wait this get they'll just not be good. And honestly, man, just like wow. Because it was like, oh my my friends are saying Jalen Hurts good quarterback. He's gonna be good. No, he's terrible. I, I honestly think Taylor Heineke and like I was like I had to my quarterback ranks. I have Taylor Heineke better than him. He stinks. S-U-C-K-S. Now I'm scared because the Eagles have these three first round draft picks. They can obviously really improve the team. You know, add more to that offensive line. Add another wide receiver to try to give Jalen Hurts another weapon. But they improve that offensive line. It's just more blocking for Jalen Hurts. Uh, or hell, use those three. Use two of those three first round picks. Maybe all three. Get a Deshaun Watson. Get a Russell Wilson. Get an Aaron Rodgers. Yikes. Uh, you know, for them, you know, one thing I got. One thing you know, I thought with this game, Eagles would struggle. Thought that Bucks offense might struggle a bit. Really, Brady didn't look like he was missing. Wasn't didn't look like he was missing anyone. Like you know, multiple running backs were out, multiple wide receivers were out. Didn't matter. The offense was in sync, and it got to the point where I had the under, felt very comfortable. Well, I had to sweat it out. But Bruce Arians, good old Brucey, you know, he must have had the under too. D- doesn't kick a field goal, which would have made the over go and made it a 19-point game, but instead goes the opposite to get the first down, which theoretically keeps it a two-possession game instead of a three-possession game. Either way. Bucks win the game, under hit, Eagles go home, a good day, and it became the b- and then this became the best day of the season for the New York Giants when yet again the Dallas Cowboys choke in the playoffs. And Cowboy fans, I don't want to hear anything. Oh, the refs screwed us. You ran a QB draw. <laughs> you ran a quarterback draw with 14 seconds left and no timeouts. I mean, death. Taxes and the Dallas Cowboys choking in the playoffs. I mean, this was, it was just like, like the Giants have been a dumpster fire all year. Watching Dallas choke yet again after hearing how good this team was all year. Hearing, oh yeah, well now we have a defense and so now this team is real. And having them choke again. Uh, as a Giants fan, this was the best part of the season. Like, hands down, having this happen right after the Eagles got crushed. Uh, it was truly awesome. Hey, Mike McCarthy, bravo. You invented a new way to lose a game. That was just, like, amazing. And it wasn't just Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, Kyle Shanahan, we're both drawing up new ways to lose this game. I mean, like, this game was, like, I'm having so much fun watching it. San Francisco's cruising. The Dallas offense can't do anything. You're seeing the sad Dak. You know, I like him. Don't worry. I like Dak. But the image of seeing sad Dak on the sideline makes me happy. You know, as long as he's not thinking about, you know, whatever. Uh, Just, like, 
And then the Niners were in control. And, you know, we're looking, yep, another Dallas choke. But Shanahan nearly pulls another Kyle Shanahan in the playoffs. Jimmy G throws a pick. Dallas scores. Kittle fumbles the ball. You know, review shows it was a, just a horrible throw from Jimmy G. And if you know that fumble stands, Dallas has the ball in great field position. And you have the 49ers. So many chances to put this game away. So many, you know, fourth downs. They don't go for it. Instead, they punt it. Opting to give the Dallas the ball back. The fourth and one where, where you know, at first they got they gave the first they had the first down to win the game, then they had they were lining up to go for the fourth down. Trent Williams false start. And it was all these like there were so many penalties between both teams where it became a total total ref show. Uh, you know Jimmy G like he made a lot of bad throws, a lot of bad throws to get Dallas back into this game. You know the penalties also almost got Dallas back in this game. Like they could have tied it. No. Maybe if they have a couple seconds left, and you can say, oh, yeah, if, they, if the ref doesn't get in the way, maybe if Dak Prescott knows they hand the football to the ref, uh, they have an extra second left, and they could tie this game. But they don't, and I don't want to hear I don't want to hear that the ref changed that game. No, Dallas did not deserve to win that game whatsoever. They played so poorly the entire game offensively. They played poorly so, they, they, for the most part, they played poorly defensively. I mean, obviously, they got some lucky breaks there. They were undisciplined. I mean, they, 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 it was 14 penalties. And you're going to say, oh, yeah, no, we got robbed. We got robbed. No. Almost all these penalties were legit penalties. Yeah, you were, yeah the QB draw. And the QB draw just like. That was the first time in like a situation with under 15 seconds left. And a team had no timeout and needed a touchdown to win the game. In like a certain land situation that a team has ever run a quarterback draw. Stupid. But you know what? I love it. The highlight of our season for the New York football Giants. As for the Niners, like, good for them. Okay, they look the way they looked late in this game. They don't have a chance next week. The Chiefs and the Steelers. So it's TJ Watt and the Steelers defense. Scored that touchdown early. And, uh, you know, it's a slow-paced game. Felt like it was going to be really gritty. You know, I had the under. Felt very good about that under. Uh, you know, but then all of a sudden, you know, Kansas City offense is rolling. 21-7, and then it's 35-7. At the end of the day, Kansas City wanted a blowout. Even Travis Kelsey threw a touchdown. I mean, Mahomes threw five. I mean, this game. This game was that Kansas City offense, the old school offense, the one we haven't seen all year long. You know, a casual 400 yards, five touchdowns for Mahomes. I mean, Tim, this used to be just a regular day at the office. Hasn't had that this year. You know, now that he's getting in the playoffs, like, this is the Kansas City that you expected to see. I mean, the defense played so well in the second half of the year. If you hit the defense that played as well as they did in the second half of the year, combined with this offense, holy shit. Uh, Big Ben, your career is over. And, like, I'll be honest, I was never a Big Ben guy. The whole off-the-field instance never made me really, truly like him. Uh, You know, uh, obviously, you know, I respect him as an NFL quarterback, but I was never a big fan of him off the field, so I'm not going to miss him. Uh, the last game, the Rams and the Cardinals. The Cardinals once again had a suffer a loss where they just get blown out. In the last few weeks of the season, they just looked really sloppy. Falls on cliff. You know, Three years with the Cardinals, hot starts, and then fading. 
After the seventh, going back to his days at Texas Tech, after the seventh game of the season, he is 16 and 43. He has an inability to adjust late in the season, or, 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 or late in the game, for as a matter of fact, which is why you see when the Cardinals lose games, they get blown out. And look, he's a smart offensive mind. The air raid offense is very explosive, and you know, it could work. But there's a reason he got fired in college. I mean, because he was not a good NFL head coach. He didn't have good game management skills. He didn't know how to coach a defense. He didn't know how to make adjustments rather than just say, air raid, air raid, air raid. Uh, like he had a losing record at Texas Tech too. You know, when do you ever see in college a guy get fired, and in the same offseason take an NFL job? Yeah, maybe you'll see him. You know, obviously college you see fired guys get a new job all the time, or you might see a college coach get plucked from the from the ranks to the NFL, but never you never see a coach get fired in college and get hired to the NFL. And like, I thought the Kingsbury hire was crazy to begin with. Look, he could be a good NFL OC. But head coach, no. Uh, we're going to move on now, and we're going to talk about the next round of the playoffs. Uh, the divisional round. Our matchups are set. So our first round match, our first matchup on Saturday, we are going to have the, the Cincinnati Bengals getting 3.5 points at the Tennessee Titans with an over-under at 46.5 points. Uh, Derrick Henry is expected to play in this game. Uh, will Derrick Henry be fresh, or will the injury bug plague him? Uh, I'm really excited for this game. Uh, you know, it's a healthy Titans team that they won't have to lean on Derrick Henry, and that's thanks to the emergence of their other running backs. So if Henry's not 100% and he can only get like 15 to 20 carries, you know, Foreman and Hilliard are probably going to combine for another 15 as well. Uh, you know... Obviously, Julio and A.J. Brown are back together. Julio caught that first first touchdown of the year in the last week. A.J. Brown really started to heat up. Uh, so you have that explosive offense versus Joe Shiesty, Joe Mixon, and Jamar Chase, Triple J's of the Cincinnati Bengals. Two really good teams. Now, the Titans, they are obviously not as respected as most one-seeds are. The defense, although, like, that's one thing about the Titans. Last year, the defense was atrocious. Couldn't off get, get off the field on third down. But the Titans' defense has been really impressive. And I think that, plus the Titans' playoff experience in the last three years, Derrick Henry, I think, is going to be pretty fresh uh, with all that time out. And it's just, you know, it's Derrick Henry. He's a beast. I think he's going to help the, the Titans win this game. And they beat the Bengals. Now, this will be a close game. And I have this in a field goal game. So at the time right now, I would take the Bengals covering three and a half. Uh, and I, I think both offenses can get going. So go over 46 and a half. Uh, moving on. The Niners are plus 5.5 at the Packers with an over-under of 47.5. Now, here's a little fun fact. Aaron Rodgers actually 0-3 against the 49ers in the playoffs. Uh, two of those games came. Uh, actually, all three of those games coming when the 49ers were a top team in the NFC, including twice when the Niners moved on to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Uh, but this team, this Niners team is not one of those teams that feels like it could represent the NFC. Uh, and that's just the way Jimmy Garoppolo is playing, uh, you know. Especially, you know, he now he allegedly he's allegedly hurt, uh, still with the shoulder and the ankle. I just don't think that he's going to be good enough to outdoor this Packers team. Uh, and look, the Niners, if they make these mistakes uh, against the Packers, the Ca Packers are not going to you know make it as easy on them as the Cowboys did. Uh, it just simply won't happen. 
Uh, you know, I mean, the last two years, people could say the Packers felt fake, especially two years ago. But I think they cruise here. They're going to win this game, cover five and a half. And I don't know how much I trust the Niners offense, especially with Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith back for the Packers. So I would go, I would advise taking the under in this game. The Rams are plus three at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Rams and the Saints, uh, they're two teams. They've had Brady's number in the postseason. Uh, excuse me, not in the postseason. They've had Brady's number uh, throughout his Bucks career. They've been responsible for not for five of his nine regular season losses uh, since he's been at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I look, this is crazy because this is two of the longest running quarterbacks, like two quarterbacks who've been starting for the longest in the NFL. But they've had very different playoff careers. Obviously, Stafford didn't get his first playoff career win until last week. But Tom Brady is Tom Brady. You know, the Bucs, while they cruised the victory, they already didn't have A.B. and Godwin. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's going to be on Mike Evans. They have offensive line issues. Uh, and plus the running game. Like We don't know if Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette is going to be back. Now, all year, pretty much all year I had Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl representing the NFC. I said if they met the Rams, they would probably beat the Rams in the playoffs. And I attested Brady's playoff experience to that of Stafford's when picking them head-to-head. But now you see everything with the Bucs, uh, the offensive line injuries, Tristan Wirfs and Ryan Jensen, we're unsure if they're going to play. You know, Obviously the receivers being out, I just mentioned Mike Evans will probably be blanketed by Ramsey, along with the running backs, question marks. And the shaky secondary all year, I think that this is the game that the Rams once again beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Stafford you know, gets, his sec- gets his second career playoff win, building off last week's, and sends the Rams to the NFC Championship game for the first time since 2018. And yeah, it's going to be Cincinnati. It's going to be the the Rams versus the Green Bay Packers for the NFC Championship game. And get ready for it. It's going to be exciting. In the AFC, oh boy, this game is going to be fun. This is easily going to be the most fun game of the weekend. You have the Buffalo Bills getting two and a half at Kansas City with an over under of 54 and a half. Obviously, the Bills, they kind of beat down Kansas City relatively early in the season. Obviously, Kansas City's been a very different team since then. Now, Buffalo, a lot of the team, a lot of the way they modeled their team and it showed in that matchup was to beat Kansas City. They added a lot of edge rushers in hopes that they can get pressure on Mahomes. Obviously, they did that game. But Mahomes and the offensive line has been playing a lot better, especially the guys that they added in the offseason. You know, Buffalo sort of added guys on their offense. Dawson Knox has sort of become a mini, mini Travis Kelsey. Stephon Diggs, a mini uh, Tyreek Hill. And now for them, they've really opened up that run game. So for them, these two teams are going to be head-to-head, back and forth. I mean, take the over in this game. Over 54.5, you have to hammer that just because. Don't you want to have this watch this game and have fun watching it? It's going to be, I think it's going to be high-flying. Uh Really, really high fly. It's too, it's very hard to pick. I've been back and forth, back and forth, deliberating. Who am I going to pick? Because I think whoever I pick in this, it's probably my AFC pick. Uh, but, like, you know, the, right now these are the two hottest teams in the AFC. Uh, the offenses were on full display last week. Two impressive performances. In the end, what will wait on me? It's in Kansas City. You see Kansas City look that good. They tend to get rolling like that. And Tredavious White is out for the Buffalo Bills. But, like, I don't know. Something about that, I guess I would take the two and a half. Oh, I know I didn't touch on it. 
I'm worried about the Bucks offense. I'm worried about the Rams, you know, offense at least running away with it. So I would actually go under in Rams Bucks as well. Uh, as well as I did with the Packers game. And if I'm taking the Rams to win, take the Rams plus three, obviously. Uh, quickly going to go through now my award picks to end the year. Uh, Coach of the year, I said Brandon Staley preseason. Now I'm going to go through that back and say Mike Vrabel. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I mean, Staley, clearly I think he sucks and is not a smart coach. Great roster, but the same thing I just been with these previous coaches where they just can't do this thing. You know, the fourth down balliness is cool, but it lost them games. And what an unreal year for Mike Vrabel. The Titans are the one seed. At least one of, if not all three, of Henry, of uh, Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, and A.J. Brown were out pretty much the entire year. And when those guys missed games, the offense wasn't skipping a beat. Uh, they were taking, they beat all the other division winners in the AFC, well, not the Bengals, but multiple other playoff teams. They beat the Rams. Uh, I just don't tell you, you don't give the Vrabel. Obviously, there are other candidates in there. There's Matt LaFleur. There's uh, Rich Basicchia, uh There's Bill Belichick and uh, Zach Taylor. Defensive player, defensive, excuse me, defensive rookie of the year. You know, I nailed it preseason with Micah Parsons. I mean, it was so obvious the kid was going to be a stud. What did I say? He was going to come in. I said, I said, Micah Parsons was going to come in and be an impact defender from day one. And sure enough, he was right. Pro Bowler, 13 sacks, 84 tackles, multiple forced fumbles, unreal numbers, already establishing himself as football's top defenders. And look, I don't want those, you know, some people at the Giants are saying, oh man, the Giants really screwed up not taking Micah Parsons. We knock it out of the ballpark with this draft with our two picks, then I don't feel bad about it at all. You know, I said he was the, I call him the best defender in that draft, and sure enough, he was, dropped because of character issues. Offensive Rookie of the Year, I'm pissed because I put Jamar Chase, and then he had that drop comment, and then I was like, you know, with the drops, uh, maybe I'll go Trevor Lawrence, and I went very basic, and like, I literally knew too, I knew Trevor Lawrence was not going to be right in the Jaguar situation with everything there, and sure enough, I, I still let myself get brainwashed and take and took him. Uh, Chase, like he was a beast, 14,055 yards, uh, I mean 1,455 yards, 13 touchdowns, one of the best, if not the best season you'll ever see by a rookie wide receiver, killed me in my fantasy championship, uh, yeah, like, yeah, like Jamar Chase is gonna win it, it's like weird, because look at that, think about who'll be the finalist, you know, Mac Jones will be a finalist, other than that, like, I don't think any of the other rookie QBs, maybe Davis Mills, he was the second best rookie quarterback, which is hard to believe. I mean, all these other rookies, Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, all really disappointed while Trey Lance obviously didn't play. Uh, comeback play of the year, it's going to be Dak Prescott. It was always it was always going to be Dak, come on, as long as he stayed healthy this year. Fantastic story, him coming back from injury. And it's not just, like, he did put up 37 touchdowns and 4,400 yards, so, like, Good, pretty damn good numbers. Uh, offensive player of the year, Mahomes. I said preseason. I'm um, changing that to cop. And like I just really said, Mahomes. It's always a non QB who wins that award. But I didn't really know who to go with at the time. And now Cup was the right pick. Most catches, most yards, most touchdowns. You know, I had a bet on Robert Wood to lead the league in receiving yards or receiving touchdowns. I picked the wrong Rams receiver for that and in fantasy. But yeah, like the, it's a, it's a wide receiver triple crown, you know. Rams when they were struggling, he got the season turned around. You know, may, maybe it's Jonathan Taylor. You can definitely make a great case for Jonathan Taylor, and I wouldn't be mad if he won it whatsoever. 
but yeah, it's gonna be one of the two. Uh, defensive player of the year, I had Aaron Donald. I know I went with the basic pick, but now it's T.J. Watt. I mean, he tied Michael Strahan's record, and it wasn't that this year, the 17th game. He did it in 15 games, and he left two games with an injury. So 13 of these games were full games, just like J.J. did with batting down passes. He had seven da- he had seven passes that he batted down. He had five forced fumbles, just a beast. And like it was, this was better than J.J. Watt at his peak. Hey, look, there are plenty of guys, you know, Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald, Nick Bosa. They all have a good shot. They all have a case to win Defensive Rookie of the Year, or Defensive Player of the Year, excuse me. But this is T.J. Watt's award, and it's not going to be anybody else's. Uh, the MVP, I had Mahomes. Again, I went basic, but I decided it's Rodgers. Uh, you know, Rodgers, it wasn't the same 48 touchdown effort that he put up last season. Uh, you know, stood off the win in the MVP. You know, he either two picks in week one. Since then, through two interceptions the rest of the year. Look, Stafford and Brady had the yards and touchdown advantage. But Rodgers, they were the one seed. The team never looked out of rhythm. And he is about to win his fourth MVP. Uh, so that's it. I'm going to talk about the Knicks. You know, it was just a roller coaster ride so far. They had some crazy games the past couple weeks. They beat the Celtics on an insane R.J. Barrett buzzer beater. They get blown out in Boston. Uh, they win a few more games. They get backed over 500, the win over the Hawks on Saturday before getting blown out by the Hornets at home on MLK Day, even though they didn't have LaMelo Ball. And then we just get a crushing, crushing close loss to Minnesota. Fall back to under 500. We're the 11th seed in what's a crowd at Eastern Conference. And at this point, every game matters, like right now, because we're in a tightly, tightly contested race. Uh, that's it uh, for talking the NBA, and that's it for this episode. Look, I mean, we're wrapping up fast on the NFL season. Again, I want to thank everybody who supported the podcast thus far. Remember, go check out Jay Bird's Eye View on on Twitter for all my latest live reactions to games and news. Go follow the Bird's Eye View podcast on Instagram for all my latest episode releases. Thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.